This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yidikar, where we are dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's sermons and talks, just the good stuff. We hope you'll enjoy. Thank you for your support. In the early 80s, the band Van Halen had a really interesting practice before they would show up at any venue. They would send the promoter ahead of time this long contract dictating all the needs of the band of what they needed in their dressing room. And there was a section on the munchies, right, of all the snacks they needed behind the scenes. And it came to M&Ms. And in big, bold letters, capital, it said, absolutely, warning, no brown M&Ms. Okay, what is this about? There was a lot of speculation, but apparently David Lee Roth, he came up with this trick. They had a very elaborate stage design, a bunch of lighting which was new and innovative at that time. And when they showed up and they would see these brown M&Ms that weren't supposed to be there, it indicated to them that the, the manager of that venue didn't really take the tech and the security seriously. And so they would knew they needed to double and triple check to make sure that they wouldn't cause any harm. The stage wouldn't collapse or anything like that. And so two for us, what are our brown M&Ms? What are our warning signals, both internally and externally, that let us know, okay, we're potentially walking down a danger zone. We're potentially walking down a path where we need a correction and we need to turn back because we don't want to cause ourselves pain and others. And I think about this a lot in my work at Beit Shuva as a Jewish recovery and treatment facility that's been around for about 36 years, treating addicts in recovery, healing broken souls, suffering from addiction, and we're losing an uphill battle right now. In the age of fentanyl, where there's this synthetic opioid that is running rampant in our streets right now, overdose deaths related to fentanyl have become the number one killer for people from 18 to 45. It's over suicide, car accidents, and COVID. And that roughly comes out to about 175 people dying every day from overdose deaths. So what do we do? What are, we, what are the security mechanisms because there's not as many second chances. It's not just the addicts that are suffering from this. These are potentially recreational drug users that just got the wrong pill because fentanyl is being laced with near, in nearly everything. I know that I wanted to talk more about M&Ms and Van Halen, but I, we're gonna get to talking donkey too, so bear with me. And so what we do at Beit Shuva is what we, what we try to practice is relevant Judaism. We look at the stories and the characters of our Torah and we try to see ourselves 
in their stories. And so I want to explore Bilam's character, this prophet for hire, this mercenary that um, doesn't that that exhibits a lot of addictive tendencies and addictive thinking. And so just to give a little background, right, there are the Israelites that are camped out on the edge of, the, of Moab. And King Balak, he sends emissaries to Bilam. Come, look, there are these people. Help me curse them. If you help me curse them, then maybe I can overcome them in battle. He sends the first set of dignitaries and then the second. And Bilam, on face value, at, at surface level, he's... He's saying, no, I can't do this. I, I can only do what God asks of me. But uh, why, why don't you uh, spend the night and maybe, just maybe, God has something else for me. God will tell me something else. And the first challenge that we're facing, of what, what the founder of Beit Shuva calls, really defines addiction, is our inability to integrate intention and action, right? I don't want to, Bilam's trying to be noble. He's trying to say, no, I'm not going to engage in this. I'm only going to do what God says. But then there's an opportunity. And God says in a dream, okay, if these people come, you can go with them. And before they come that second time in the morning, he gets up before them, saddles his donkey, and is heading out on this endeavor to curse these people. He was unable, this impulsive desire, he was unable to, to quench at that moment. And as he's driving, riding out on the donkey, God sends an angel, an angel with a sword in his hands, and God is mad. And the donkey can see the brown M&Ms. The donkey is telling Bilam, this prophet, this wise man, right? He has wisdom. Don't you see where you're going? You're entering a danger zone. You're crossing a path of no return. But Bilam doesn't see it, or he's oblivious to it. And he ends up beating his donkey, and the donkey God opens the donkey's mouth and says, what are you doing? I've been your partner for all these years. Do you think I would, I would cause you harm? Do you think I would take you to a point where I'm not working with you? Bilam says, no. And then his eyes are open and he sees the angel. And there's this interesting moment where Right after he sees the angel, he has this moment of awakening. He says, Khatati, I have erred. I made a mistake, but God, I, I didn't know you were there, and if you still disapprove of this, I will turn back. Right? If you still disapprove of it, I'll turn back. And God says, you can go, but say what I'm about to say. What I, whatever I intend you to say, say it. So our first challenge is intent, integrating intent and action. Our second one is taking responsibility for our choices. Why didn't God say, turn back, I don't want you to go. No, don't do this. 
And the rabbis are asking this question too. Okay, why, why doesn't God say that too? And the Midrash comes and says, that a person is led down along a path he or she wants to follow. Bilam has a choice. He is agreeing on that choice and he is affirming that choice to go down this path of no return. He has an opportunity to return, but he's gone past He's gone past that point. And there's, and there's a number of reasons why we in recovery, we potentially use, we potentially go through these destructive habits and destructive actions. And a big part of that is, is an existential pain. It is this hole in our souls that we feel that sometimes using or engaging in some kind of negative behavior fills that void, right? And we all do this. It's not just for addicts, but it's for all of us. And I think the, the interesting part about Bil'am is that the rabbis say his name actually means Bil'am, without a nation. He's lonely. He's alone. He doesn't have community. He doesn't have partnership. He has a talking donkey, but he's alone. And at the opportunity to fit in, at the, at the behest of this king who says, listen, I want you to curse this people. You might be going against your values, but, but he wants to belong so badly that he's willing to neglect his own beliefs to be a part of something. So how do we integrate intent and action? How do we address our existential pain without, um, without giving in to our values? And how do we take personal responsibility? The last piece, I think, is, is embedded, but the solution to all of this, I think, is embedded in the third time Bilam actually tries to curse the people, right? He, he's gone down this path. He's going to curse. He's going to try to say whatever God comes to his mouth. And, and he attempts to appease Balak three times, setting up altar after altar to curse the Israelites. But finally, what comes out of his mouth are these words. Matovu ohalecha Yaakov, mishkenotecha Yisrael. How wonderful are your tents, Israel. Your, dwell, your, your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. He sees the Israelites engaged in community. He sees the order of the tents, and the rabbis say what inspired him so much was that each tent was set up in a way that allowed privacy for each family unit, but embedded together. Community is ultimately the answer. Community, as dysfunctional as it might be, is the answer. A place where each person belongs and each person matters is ultimately the healing process that shifts. And if there's anybody struggling out there, this pandemic has affected us all. These issues that we're talking about are hopefully just human issues that our Torah is able to address. 
And there's hope. There's always a path to return and come back. I'm, I'm grateful that we have a couple of our community members here, Tim and Mackenzie. Um, and if there's anybody interested who needs some support setting up those M&Ms, those security measures, those wellness pieces, we're here to talk. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.